of them the Sunday after church and so we're excited about it. And, uh, we put the tape up to keep people from tripping over the anchor bolts. Just a couple of reminders, you know, our tithes and offerings, we, we don't uh, gather on Wednesdays or Sunday nights. We have the two boxes in the back, so if you want to give up your tithes and offerings, you're welcome to put them in there. Um, and uh, we're just going to get with it. I'm, I've decided to, I've just been praying about it and God keeps laying on my heart. We're going to continue with the book of Daniel. Um, on Sunday nights, and if and then once in a while, I may show a video on where we're at, um, and that might be once a month, once every other month, or something to just show you where we are in the times that we're living. But uh, man, it's really quiet in here. I guess I'm the only one talking. <laughs> All right, let, let's pray. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful night. We come to you and we focus our attention on you. Lord, we're, we're reminded in Scripture that you reign on the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust, because you're a gracious God. And Lord, you were gracious to us even when we weren't looking for you. You found us, or technically we found you, but you allowed it to happen. So Lord, we come to you in worship and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. 
presented to us, Father, but through your eyes, Father. Father, help us to be consumed by you tonight. Make your presence so thick in this sanctuary, God, that that's all we can breathe, Lord.
27 says this one thing I ask of the Lord this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple verse 8 says my heart says of you seek his face your face Lord I will seek Father, give us a hunger for your presence. Give us a hunger for you, Lord. Forgive us for those times that we've placed everything else in front of you and put you on the back burner or put you in the back of our schedules. Give us a hunger, a fresh desire for you. As it says in Psalm 42, Lord. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts or pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Father, let those two psalms be the prayer of our heart that we thirst and we pant and we seek after you. In Jesus' mighty name, but he said, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Just the sweet presence of God tonight. Um, just a reminder that we need to be hungry for the Lord. And uh, hunger comes in many different ways, but you feed yourself through the word and through the worship and through prayer and through fellowship all the things that they did in the early church. And of course, we're not the early church. We're the church, right? Um, we're the church now. But that doesn't mean we can't apply some of those things to our life. Well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? I think everybody stayed away because of the thunderstorms, right? Am I right? <laughs> well, thank you for those of you that came out. Anybody listening online, we love you. We're just glad you're safe. All right, I've been praying about this, and I'm gonna go, we're going to go through the book of Daniel. He just keeps laying it on my heart all week. It just kept coming to my heart. So we're going to go through the book of Daniel. So just a little recap. Um, you know, we've looked at the first three chapters, and we looked at typology in the Old Testament, but we looked at chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Um, if you're not familiar with Daniel, <clears throat> Daniel, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were part of the um, Israelites that were taken into captivity into Babylon after Israel which I think the United States is following suit, turned their backs on the Lord and started worshiping idols. And, uh, and then, too, they, 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 they weren't uh, celebrating their Shemitah years. Anybody know what a Shemitah year is? 
Every seventh year, they had to let the land rest for a year. And they didn't do that. That's greed. That's not trusting God or, or for his provision. And so basically, they, they, what Israel had become is an apostate nation. We've talked about apostasy, which means to defect or depart from the faith. So here Daniel and these three young men are placed into a society that they're not familiar with as young men. And uh, many believe that they were eunuchs. And so to be faithful to God, even through all of that, says a lot. And Daniel was faithful. We're going to look at, he was faithful all the way to his death. And he went through four different Kings and King uh, that, uh, 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 that were in charge of the Babylonian empire because they changed the Medo Persians and stuff. And King Cyrus is a part of that. And we'll look at some of that. Uh, so, and then we went, we went, so we looked in chapter two, how God had used Daniel to uh, interpret a dream for the King Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar still uh, didn't get it. Uh, how many people do we minister to on a daily basis or even family members? And they see God's hand, but they still just don't get it. And it's because the devil has put blinders on him, what the scripture says. And so you have to pray that God removes, removes those blinders. Chapter three, you know, Daniel gives him that uh, vision and so what's he do? He goes, well, I'm not just the head of gold and the and the and the chest of gold. I'm going to be the I'm going to make a whole gold statue and become prideful. We looked at that and how God saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there's a good sermon out of that. That when you're facing difficulties, what are you going to do if if the government's asking you to turn from God and serve? And that's going to happen in the future with the Antichrist and the Beast. And uh, so you, you have to choose who are you going to believe, who are you going to trust in. Who are you going to surrender your life for the provision of your life to? And so then we saw how God saved them through the fire. And they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. How many of us want to not smell like smoke when we come out of trials and tribulations? And now we come to chapter 4. And I think this is, and we're going to read verses 1 through 18 tonight. We're just going to look at the first part of it. And, uh, and then we're going to read, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go through little bits of this tonight. I like doing series on the books of the Bible because it gives verse by verse, line by line, precept by precept. We get the whole counsel of God's word. Um, some pastors are expository pastors. Others are topical. I'm both. Sometimes God gives me topics on a Sunday morning and I change, I change messages. But when I go back to my preaching, when he doesn't interrupt it that he's told me to do, um, it's expository. So let's go. Daniel chapter four, verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid as I was lying in my bed. The images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, and astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came to my presence and I told him the dream. He's called Belshazzar, after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belshazzar, that's a hard name for me to say, so I'm sorry if I butchered it. 
Chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it were, was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, and I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called me in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron or bronze remain in the ground and in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with, wild, with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be, uh, let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by, my, by the messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Let's pray. Father God, as we study the book of Daniel and we dive into this book, which is so beautiful and it's got a lot of uh, prophetic words for the future, I pray, Father, help us to understand it. Help me as I study it to bring all the truths that you want out of this word to those that are listening. Father, I pray that we will grow together as a group. God, I pray that our minds will be enlightened, our hearts enlightened give us new revelation of your word and lord speak through me as your vessel tonight in jesus mighty name amen so i've titled the series a godly man who remained faithful boy that says a lot for itself right the apostle paul said uh, i have fought the good fight of faith i have finished the race now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness let's say for all of us that we finish well and Daniel was a man that finished well. And so I've titled the message tonight, Nebuchadnezzar Testifies. God can take an ungodly person and change them to testify about him. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I'm sure some of you have some kind of relative or somebody you know that is still resistant to God. And you feel like maybe they got to the point where God can't change them. Well, it's usually when you get to that point and you let go and let God, that God changes them. Amen. And then you're not prepared for that change. Because now you're going, wait a minute here. This is, this is so hard for me because we, we don't like change. And so Nebuchadnezzar was an ungodly king that God put in position and yet he's going to testify. Remember the pride that he had in chapter 3 that we learned about? This was a prideful man. But God put him in that position. So Nebuchadnezzar gives God praise. Boy, I love it. It looks great there, but <laughs> it's funny. So Nebuchadnezzar gives God praise. 
So Nebuchadnezzar declares, number one, to the people who God is. Look at verse one. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world. Now understand, Babylon was the superpower at that time. They controlled the whole world. So you could say that King Nebuchadnezzar was, he was it. He was the man. And so he's writing this letter. He's declaring, he, look, he's writing this letter of what has happened to him. And we're going to look at how he goes in and he describes this testimony or this testifying. Anybody ever remember the old days in church? You got a testimony, you got to testify, right? My mom works with a guy that, uh, at American, and I, I'd never preached in a UPC church. I didn't know it was a UPC church. He invited me to preach there one night. And they have a pastor, but he's not really in charge, so I didn't quite understand that. So I'm sitting up on the stage, you know, and I'm waiting for them to introduce me. Well, their way of introducing is, does anybody have to testify tonight? And finally, the guy leans over and he goes, well, do you have a testimony? Are you going to testify tonight? I said, well, is that... Was that my introduction? <laughs> so I get up and I testify. We had some people get saved, so praise the Lord. But that's what he's talking about. He's declaring to the world what has happened to him. He says, to the peoples that I'm in charge of, to the nations, to men of every language. And I think in some ways he's testifying to everybody, even the ones that he doesn't know. Guys, you and I have a testimony to testify. You and I have experienced something that the world has not. And you may say, well, I got saved young. Hey, praise the Lord, there's a testimony in that. God's kept you from a lot of things. I've heard some people say, man, I wish I would have got saved later in my life. Because then I would have had a really good testimony. No, but then you would have had a lot of baggage you were carrying with you. Then he says, may you, may you prosper greatly. I like that. He says, listen, all you people... May you prosper. Did we say that about other people? Did we say, Lord, bless them? What did Jesus say about our enemies? Pray for those that, what, curse you, treat you bad. May the Lord bless you. Now, in verses 2 and 3, Nebuchadnezzar declares what God has done. So first he declares, hey, guys, listen up. I'm going to tell you. And then in verses 2 and 3, he declares what God has done. Before we read that scripture, look what it says. He says, it is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. An ungodly king now is declaring the God of gods, that he is mighty, that he is awesome. He is the only king, the only God. One of these days, all the kings of the earth, it says small and great, big and small, rich and poor, are going to declare that about Jesus. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess, on the earth and under the earth, that Jesus is Lord. Now, I always tell people, I'd rather do it now than to do it later and go to hell and be thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. So he says, look, it is my pleasure. Look, look at that. It's a pleasure for him to tell about the great things of God. The miraculous signs. Every one of us has had a miraculous sign tonight. Do you know all of us have had a miracle? Salvation. That is a miracle. 
You and I weren't capable of saving ourselves, but God did it. And then he says, and wonders that the most high God has performed for me. Now he recognizes. How many of you guys have recognized what God has done for you lately? How about when things are going bad? Man, this last week, remember I told you I preached a couple weeks ago on the, uh, uh, Speak to That Mountain? And then I said, Lord, please don't let that. Boy, that was a rough week. And I had people tell me, remember your, pa remember your sermon, Pastor? Giving God praise in difficult circumstances. Then look what he says. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. God is not done doing my, my, uh, mighty works and wonders. I believe in signs, wonders, and miracles because that's what happened in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts literally means acts of the Holy Spirit. Now, is the Holy Spirit done doing those things? No. He wants to do it through you and he wants to do it through me. I'm going to be excited one of these days when revival breaks out here and little kids go up and lay hands on somebody and they get healed. He can do that. I'm, it's going to be exciting when no one person gets the, gets the glory for it. It's just somebody comes up and lays hands on somebody and they get healed and they get saved or they get set free. It's going to happen, and I believe it. So look at what Psalm 105, verses 1 through 3 says. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Even though there's just a few of us tonight, we can sing God's praise. We can rejoice to him. You know what's interesting? It's going to be funny that one of these days when God opens our eyes like he did that one servant. And he says, Lord, uh, there's so many of them. And he said, open his eyes, Lord, so you can see uh, how many are for us. That there's more for us than for them. I believe that there's angels that sing with us. Even tonight, I really believe that. When I was on staff up at New Life, there was one day that we were at church and we all stopped singing and you could still sit, hear singing going on. And there were only 20 of us in service that day. God loves the sings of his praises. I don't even know if that made sense. He loves to hear sings of praise to him. So let's go to the next one. Nebuchadnezzar speaks as a man who has experienced the manifest presence of God. How many of us have experienced the manifest presence of God? How many of us can testify to that? Maybe we need to have a testimony night. And I just start pulling you out. Hey, what have you experienced? Hey, this is church. Why don't we do that? It's Bible study. Who's got a testimony this week? What has God done in your life this week? Hallelujah. Huh? Brought you through cancer. When did, I didn't know you had cancer. But God brought you through that. You're alive today. What's the one th thing that we do when that we hear that word cancer? You shudder, the fear. What, what's it going to do? How's it going to spread? Where's it going to go? All the what ifs. What else? What has God done for you this week? Man, we're going to have to work on this. Amen. There you go. I like that, Carolyn. Yes. 
He just turned to beet red. I used to see already. <laughs> God's moving. Yeah, amen. You know, listen, I'm not doing this to make you feel bad. I'm doing this for us to start thinking just like that scripture said. Are we thinking of what God has done, his wonderful acts? How about the rain? I mean, I was looking in the backyard before the rain hit, and there was a crack about that wide, right? And somebody told me that's bad for your foundation as it starts to crack. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. Uh, thank you, Lord, for provision. Yes. That's right. How many times has God taken care of us and we didn't know it? We could have been in an accident, and yet he caused somebody to wait. I mean, something could have happened. I mean, we don't know. I mean, you could think of a whole bunch of things. I, I just got stumped there, so I just decided to say that. So Nebuchadnezzar speaks as a man who has experienced the manifest presence of God. We, have not, we need, as believers, to experience the manifest presence of God. There's nothing wrong with it. Some, de some denominations say, oh, no, 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 that's emotionalism. Why can't we get emotional about Jesus? We do for football games. You know, we get emotional about other things. Why can't we get that way about Jesus? Again, when was the last time you and I testified about the great things God has done in our lives? So that's something for you to think about this week. You know, God, what have you done for me? I, th I thought about it today. Whoever, again, whoever blessed us with those groceries. I don't know who it was, but it was a blessing to us. Because we were in town. And then that other uh, farmer's markets down there, and I haven't been into it yet. It was, I, that was cool. I like going in there. They had all these photos. They had this thing with these mannequins up top, and I'm looking at them while still trying to chase after my girls. And uh, so we're up there. But, hey, those are blessings. I prayed. You don't understand. Last week I prayed in here. I prayed this morning. But I prayed in here, and I said, Lord, you brought us here. You're our provider. And I got, I just said that prayer, finished praying, and I'm repeating myself on purpose. Went into Christy's office to ask her if there was any phone calls for that week. And then what did you say? That envelope was laying on her thing. She handed it to me. I opened it up, and there was the provision for farmer's market. That is God. That's something to give him praise for. I praise God that I get, didn't get run over by a car this morning while I was running. I'm serious. It can happen. So although he was king, he realized that God was the one that gave him the position. Guys, everything that you have, the, again, I, you've heard me say this over and over again. The cars that we have, the house that you have, the property that you have, the keys that you have, the animals that you have, everything that you have, God gave to you. Even your position, whatever job you had in this life. If you're retired, he's given you the provision to be retired. You go to third world countries, they don't retire. Look at Daniel chapter 2, verses 21. Look what it says. He changes times and seasons. Well, seasons are changing, aren't they? He deposes kings and raises up others. We just had that happen in the House of Representatives, didn't we? He's considered a, 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 in leadership. He got deposed. I'm not picking on it. I'm just using that as an example. I, I don't want to get butchered for bringing that up. I'm not bringing up politics. I'm just saying God deposes kings and raises others up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Psalm 75, 7. 
It is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. God's the one that does it. And so Nebuchadnezzar admits to that. Nebuchadnezzar now declares who God is. Look in verse 3 again. I already mentioned this, but I want to say it again. He says, how great are his signs. How mighty his wonders. Exclamation point. I could just imagine how he said that. And then he says this, his kingdom is eternal. He recognizes that God is God. He is the king above all gods. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Once we get into this, I think you're going to realize, and I believe this, that Nebuchadnezzar became a saved man. I do. I believe that he converted because when he talks to Daniel, now we're going to look into the letter, look at this. I want to read this scripture first, Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So we know that, right? How many of you know that scripture? It's the truth. He was, who is, and he's coming back. He keeps his promises. So Nebuchadnezzar now describes his dream. Remember, he's looking back. He's written this down, and he's describing to the people's nations and men of every language and to the world what has happened to him. How many of you guys have told other people about what Jesus has done for you? When, when you got saved, what did you do? Hey, I just got saved. I gave Jesus. I, I asked him in my heart. But what happens is we start serving him, and after a few years, that begins to wane. And we get comfortable and we forget about what he has done for us. Maybe we need to write it down like Nebuchadnezzar. So he describes where he is and how he feels. Look at verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace contented and prosperous. You know, he's got all the riches. He's got everything. He's in the biggest position. How many of us have lots of money? Or we don't have lots of money. But we're content. He's talking about his prosperity. I had everything. How many people do you know that have all the money in the world, but they're still not happy? I think of Robin Williams. Robin Williams, who was an actor, big in our time, right? Mork and Mindy, Nanu Nanu. Right? I used to watch Mork and Mindy when I was a kid. One reason why I liked it is because I'm from Colorado. I grew up about 15 minutes from Boulder, and that's where they were. It was Boulder, Colorado, right? In the TV show, anyways. He had all that money and all those riches, but he took his own life because he had a God-shaped hole in his heart that only God could fill. And we've heard that before. So he says he was prosperous, content. He didn't even think about his eternity. Half the people in this world don't even think about their eternity. We, uh, on our way back from Tulsa yesterday, stopped in a gas station and the girls had to use the restroom and so I'm sitting in there waiting and I start witnessing to the girl behind the, the counter there in Okmulgee, just be, before Henrietta, and uh, start sharing the gospel with her. And a lady comes in, and the topic happened to be on where we're at in the last days and the mark of the beast. And this lady goes, oh, the mark of the beast. I know who the Antichrist is. You know, you can't have an argument with somebody that really thinks the Antichrist is, they know who that is. But I'm having a conversation, and I just brought up salvation. 
she knew a lot about the Bible on certain things, but she wasn't correct on a lot of things. But I don't think she knew Jesus. See, we can be content whether rich or poor as believers. You guys can be content tonight. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He said, man, I know, I know what it means to be in need. I also know what it means to have a lot of stuff. I, I know this one thing. When you start to move, you realize all the junk that you accumulate you thought was important is not important. And you end up doing what with it? You get rid of it. And you've heard me say over and over again, and I'll say it again, I've never seen a U-Haul truck follow somebody to a graveyard. That would be hilarious if somebody did that, and they just started dumping everything into their grave, you know. You can't take it with you. Then he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Notice he says, I have learned the secret of being content. The secret to his contentment, the Apostle Paul's contentment. Now, we, we haven't got back into the book of Philippians, but in the book of Philippians, he's in a prison cell. And he was dependent on other people to feed him and to provide for him. And so he says, look, I've learned the secret of being content. Here it is. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's the secret of being content. That God's your provision. How about this one? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. How many of you guys brought something into the world? We all came into our birthday suits, right? You all know that. I remember my, my daughter when, of course, my wife had C-sections. So I got to see it, but they, they were able to take the whole sack out and I'm watching my daughter, especially Natalie. Remember her moving around in the sack? Well, they had a, it was craziest thing, our technology today, but it was the coolest thing. But I went to take a picture, and they wouldn't let me take pictures of it. And I went, are you kidding me? This is like the most important time. This is cool. I'm watching my daughter move around, and then they pop the sack, and then the crying happens. Because now they're uncomfortable, and it's cold. Look at Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack what? Nothing. Some of you tonight, you may say, I have everything. I don't lack anything. Well, that's good. Somebody out there does, though. Content. Now he describes his fear. Let's look at his fear. Verse 5. He said, I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. I'm thinking, okay, he saw a tree. He saw a tree cut down with no branches and iron put on it. How could that terrify him? How many of you have ever had a dream that when you woke up, you went, why was I so scared of that dream? And yet it was just a small dream. I'll give you an example. I was telling you this about this earlier. In 2001, just before 9-11 happened, three weeks before 9-11, when I got out of the surface, I moved in with my parents. I couldn't afford to get my own apartment. It was just too expensive. And I had to go back to work at Walmart for a while. And I was only making like seven bucks an hour. 
So I lived with them for a while, and I had a dream three weeks before 9-11. That night I had a dream that I was called back into the Air Force, and I was in my desert BDUs, and we went to war against Iraq, and bombs were going off. So I woke up, and I was sweating when I woke up. It was that real, and I was a little scared about it, and I went and I told my mom. I said, Mom, I had this dream, so I told her the dream. She goes, well, I had a dream last night that I was a woman in a skyscraper, either in Chicago or New York, but I think it was New York, and an American Airlines 767 or 757 came and crashed into this building, and I fell all the floors down. And she goes, and I said, Mom, that's just a dream. She goes, no, it was American Airlines because it had the eagle on the back, and my parents worked for American. Three weeks later, 9-11 happened. Two years later, we went to war against Iraq. Visions and dreams are still for today. In fact, this is not my notes. Hold your spot here and go in the, uh, to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, that's one of those books that's hard to find. It's in the Minor Prophets. It's just past Hosea. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, look at this. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on, on who? All people. Your sons and daughters will do what? Prophesy. Listen, it's important for kids to prophesy. That's not getting into weird stuff. I hear some people, that's weird. No, it's not. It's in the Bible. Right? Kids can prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Guys, how many dreams have you had? God can give them to you. And then how about this one? Your young men will see what? Visions. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, this is not in our notes, but we need to look at this tonight. God's the one that gives dreams and visions to us. Look with me in uh, uh, verse 4, verses 4 through 11. Paul, speaking of the different gifts here to the church in Corinth, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in how many men? All men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good means for the edification of the church, the building up of believers. God will also use it to bring lost people to the kingdom. Verse 8, to one there is the given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. How many of you guys need wisdom sometimes? And you, you go for prayer, God, I don't know what to do in this. And you pray for wisdom, but somebody comes up and shares something with you. And it clicks. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. That's the words of knowledge. Hey, this is what's going on in your life, right? You pray for somebody, and God, and some of you, how many of you guys have operated in any of these things? So I'm going to tell you tonight, you can we're in Assemblies of God Church. We believe in the move and the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it. Start asking God for it. Let me give you a testimony. Maybe this isn't our message tonight, but I think that you need to get this. How many of you guys know who Max Lucado is? So just recently, just before we left the Northwest Ministry Network, Don Ross, our superintendent, we call him the network leader. They're changing the name, and it's just a name change. So our superintendent up there sent a clip of... Max Licato, when he was 64 years old, he was praying, 
And he was reading a scripture that says, desire the greater gifts, which we're going to look at, and it's 1 Corinthians 14.1. And he said, desire the greater gifts. So he said, Lord, I want more gifts. Give me more gifts. And that was his desire. So for a couple of weeks, he just read that scripture and, and was reading that scripture. And one day he's praying, and all of a sudden he starts praying in tongues. That's his own testimony. He just wrote a book about the Holy Spirit. And we've known about Max Cato for how long? How many books has he written? And then he turns 64 and God does a marvelous thing in his life. He says, to another faith by the same Spirit. Sometimes we need somebody that has that gift of faith. I mean, we're, we're like the type that goes, oh my, it's not going to work out. And somebody comes along and prays and you, they just got that gift of faith, right? That's a gift. God can bestow that. How about this one? To another, gifts of healing by that one, that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. It doesn't mention what those powers are. To another, prophecy. You can prophesy. Look at this. To another, distinguishing between spirits. That discernment of spirits. You ever see somebody walk in or you notice something about somebody, you're like, there's something not right, right? You sense it, you get it in your spirit. Then look to, uh, uh, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now the tongues that he's referring to is the tongues that we hear on Sunday morning. This is called tongues and interpretation. This is not your private language. Do you guys see the difference here? Because you've got to look at the context of it. What he's speaking of is the outspoken tongues like we hear on Sunday sometimes. Somebody prays in tongues and another person does what? Interprets it. That's what he's describing. Not everybody has that gift. God's only used me a couple times in that, in the church service. Most of the time, it's somebody that God has gifted for that. And then look, to, uh, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. So you get a tongues and somebody interprets it. Let me give you a testimony. A few weeks ago, we had tongues. And God laid on my heart, remember this? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Remember that? Trust in me wasn't a very long interpretation. You're thinking, okay, that's pretty simple. He's the alpha, he's the beginning and the end. So I get, I, I, after service, I'm walking in Philip, Brother Black's son comes up to me and goes, I, get, I had the same word and I was getting ready to say it. Confirmation. I needed that because I don't always use that gift, but God will use the pastor if somebody doesn't step up. God can use you in that. How many of you guys are just like, really? Can, can God really use me in these things? I'm going to show you. You guys ready? This may not be on Daniel, but I'm going to show you this anyways. Look at this. Verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So he determines who's going to use it. We've always been taught only one person gets the gifts. Well, flip over me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 1. He says, follow the way of love. Now, let's stop there for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the motive behind why we do the gift, right? Everything that I'm doing here tonight is because I love you. It's not about making me look good or sound good or talk a lot because there's a lot of times I talk and I go, why did I say that? And then my wife shakes her head and goes, why did you say that? It's because I love you and I want to feed you, right? Then he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual what? 
gifts, is that singular or plural? English, right? It's plural. What gifts is he describing there? Chapter 12. Remember, they didn't have chapters back then. He's continuing the thought. We're the ones that put the chapters and the verses in to help us. Paul is saying the gifts that are in chapter 12, you can desire those greater gifts. And then he goes on to say, and then he talks about tongues, and then he talks about, you know, tongues is for edifying ourselves, but prophecies for the edification of the church. So let's go back to Daniel. I bring all this up because God gives a vision and a dream to an ungodly man. And again, most of the dreams are just dreams, but there are those times that God speaks to us in our dreams. And we need to pray about that and ask God to speak to us about it. Now, he has a trusted interpreter. Look what he says in verse 6. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought to me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, and astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. You think you would have learned by now, King, ba King of Babylon would have learned by now, Nebuchadnezzar, that Daniel was the one that God used the last time. And yet, what does he do? He goes right back to what he, his old ways of doing things. Then verse 8, finally Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar after the name of my God and the spirits of the holy gods is in him. Notice he says, Belshazzar of my God. I named him after my God. And then he mentions, and the holy gods of my holy gods in him. I like that God's showing eventually shows him that it wasn't, Nebuchadnezzar's gods, which are demons anyways. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar's holy gods or, or his God that did this. It was the God of heaven. And we will see that at the end of chapter 4, how he gives God praise for that. So the king recognized God's power in Daniel, although he never gives God the credit. Then he goes, this: two people recognize a difference in us. Do people recognize the differences? Hold your spot. Let's go to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 3. I'm having a hard time getting it here. There we go. First Peter chapter 3. Look, look at verses 15 through 16. Peter's talking about suffering for, being, for doing what is good, but I, I, I love what he puts in here. You can apply this to a lot of things in your life. He says, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. King Nebuchadnezzar saw something different in Daniel, and that's why he went to him. Does, do people see something different in us? And do they go to us? How about when somebody uh, needs prayer, do they go to you for prayer? When somebody needs an answer from the Bible, do they go to you for the answer in the Bible? And I'm talking about people that don't know the Lord, or maybe people that are riding the fence, or once were in church but aren't in church. Again, 
Are, do, are we prepared for a reason to give the hope that we believe? And do those people go to us? Daniel was ready. He was always prepared. Now he describes the first part of his dream. Let's go to the, real quick, for, back to Daniel chapter 4. Look at verse 10. He says, there are visions I saw while lying on my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and it touched, and the top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, it, under the, it the beasts of the fields found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. He describes, again, the first part of his dream, and here it is. There's a tree, right? The tree is large for everyone to see. The tree was beautiful. The tree was abundant in fruit. Animals fell shelter under the tree, and the animals were fed from the tree. That's just a basic breakdown, like a synopsis of it, right? Now he describes the second part of his dream. We're just looking at the description, and we're going to talk about it here in a minute. Look at verse 13, in the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked and there before me was a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip it of its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground in the grass of the field. So this messenger comes down from heaven. Again, the messenger is what? An angel. What is an angel's primary role? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? I just wonder how many people we have entertained as angels. I wonder how many angels are sitting in here right now. I mentioned that earlier. I believe that there are. Angels are real. The scripture describes them. I have a printout I'm going to give you next week about angels. Well, it was from the Full Life Study Bible, but I, didn't, I forgot to grab it off my desk. I'll give it to you next week. So angels are powerful and they're formidable creatures. Formidable means inspiring fear, respect, through being impressively large, powerful, intense, or capable. Look at this, Matthew 28, verses 1 through 4. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and on going to the tomb rolled back the stone, sat on it, and his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. So here's this angel. These, these stones are like 20,000 pounds, and he just goes, pushes it aside. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. They fainted. Now these were Roman soldiers. Angels are real. And if you ever saw one or we saw one, we would shake. We'd probably fall on our face. We'd faint probably. So angels are real. So he sees these two things. Look at this. So Peter was kept in prison. Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. So Peter was released out of the prison. 
I'll give you a story. My mom and my grandfather, he's in heaven now with the Lord, but my mom had been witnessing to her dad, and uh, my great-grandfather was in the hospital, and, and uh, or actually it was my great-grandmother was in the hospital. One of them was in the hospital. I don't know. I was just back in the eight, 1987, but they're on their way to Michigan, and they just passed a town called Prophetstown, and my grandfather's uh, serpentine belt broke on his truck. It was a Dodge pickup. Black, I still remember the Dodge hanging off the end of it, the, the Ram. And so this lady pulls up behind him in a car. Says, do you need some help? He goes, yeah, my belt broke. She goes, I think I know exactly what you need. So she went back to her car, came out, and had a, a normal belt. Something you put hold your britches up with. And she takes that belt and puts it around there. And it was just enough to get them to the gas station. Well, this lady followed him in the gas station, pulled up right beside him. My mom and my grandpa got out of the car and they just got to the door, turned around to say thank you to the lady and she was gone. So my grandpa was going around, did you see the lady that was here? I wanted to thank her. There was no lady there, sir. And my mom goes, there was a lady here in the car. Did you, have you guys seen her? And they said, no, there's, there hasn't been a lady there. And my grandfather, he says, now I know that the prayer I prayed was real. And my mom goes, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I was praying and I accepted Jesus in my heart, but I wasn't sure if it was real or not. And I prayed it on the road that he would reveal himself to me. It's a true story. I remember my grandpa telling me about it. How many of us have entertained angels and we didn't know it? I just hope my conduct was good conduct when it happened. I hope it wasn't in bad traffic or stopping at Wendy's one time. I stopped at Wendy's. And this lady cut right in front of me, and I didn't say nothing. But inside, I was seething, right? Come on. I was upset. And I'm thinking in my mind, and then all of a sudden, I said, Lord, please forgive me. That was an wrong attitude. I get up to the drive-thru, and the lady in front of me paid for my meal. You never know. It could have been an angel. And when I get to heaven, he goes, remember the meal I paid for you? I know what you were thinking. So angels are real. He sees this angel. Now, we're going to look a little bit. I want to go back a little bit. We're going to look at a few things. The tree, of course, is Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to see that as Daniel interprets it. And he's, a, he's, he's the king of all the earth at that time. And it was, grew strong, and it's, it touched the sky, and it was visible to the ends of the earth. It was a beautiful kingdom. Do you know the gardens of Babylon... Uh, have, they have them written in stone, and they say they were so gorgeous and beautiful. Um, it, it's been written down through generations of how gorgeous Babylon was. They had the, one of the beautiful, uh, most uh, fantastic gardens of all the ancient worlds, of all the things that we know of the ancient world. They were known for their gardens. It was a beautiful, beautiful kingdom. And so it, it said it was beautiful, and, and then it was, it was strong, and it was visible, and it, and it had food for all. You know, the Israelites were, in fact, some of the Israelites didn't want to go back to Jerusalem because they had it so good in, in uh, Babylon after the 70 years of uh, captivity. That's how wonderful Babylon was. And God's still trying to get his Jews to go back to Jerusalem today. Do you know where the largest concentration of Jews are in the world today? New York City. One of these days, God's going to start drawing them all back. What's that say about our country? 
It says, under it the beasts of the fields found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. It's speaking of people, and it's speaking of the creatures. It was provision. And so this messenger comes, and he says something. The messenger calls out in a large voice. Look at verse 14. We're almost done here. Look. Look what he says. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. The purpose of this event was to bring about a change in a man who, of whom the tree represented, which was King Nebuchadnezzar. God wanted to reach his heart. Here's a Gentile king that God still cares about. God still cares about your lost loved one. God still cares about the person that drives us crazy or the most wicked person. God cares about that man that shot that deputy today. God even cares about the deputy that was shot and the innocent bystander. That all was because of Adam and Eve when they ate the fruit called sin. David Gusick says the watcher, presumably an angel, explained the fate of the tree. He noted that the tree was to be chopped down and it would lose its size, strength, prominence, beauty, fruit, and shelter. He also said that the tree represented a man who would be changed and given a heart of a beast. God did all this not only to change his heart, to give him a heart of a beast, but to change him into a man that honored and served him. Again, the tree was cut to a stump along with all of its branches. The stump and its roots were preserved with iron, meaning that God wasn't going to completely wipe them off the earth. And we'll find later on next week why God did what he did. And it goes back to pride. How did Satan fall? Pride. What causes quarrels and fights in the church? It really comes down to our personal pride. We don't get what we want, right? Somebody upsets us. What causes us to get upset with people? Because they're not doing what we want. He cut me off in traffic. Well, I didn't get what I wanted. I wanted clear traffic without some, I got mad today. I, I'm speaking of myself today. I, I'm going to tell you, I thought Portland drivers and Seattle drivers were bad. Man, and I come back down here and I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm, I know you're not supposed to say nothing bad in Ardmore because everybody knows everybody. But I'm telling you, driving down here is bad. Either they're on their phone, right? Or they're in the fast lane going 40 miles an hour when it's a 55 mile an hour zone. Okay, I'm just speaking my mind. I'm sorry, Lord. So God had to deal with pride, and he does the same thing with us. God deals with the pride in our hearts. Again, this tree represents a man who would soon lose everything in order to gain everything. I want to look at a New Testament example of this real quick, if you don't mind. It's the Apostle Paul. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> look with me in verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. The Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, the mutilators of the flesh. <clears throat> He's talking about circumcision, those that said that you had to be circumcised to be saved. Verse 3, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by 
the Spirit of God who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee is for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in them, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. If anybody has the right to go from a man that needed a heart change to a heart change, that lost everything only to gain everything, it was the Apostle Paul. He considered everything rubbish, and that's exactly what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to look at some more of that in the next thing. So the tree, again, the man would live like a wild animal for seven years. Could you imagine that? God struck him with the mind of an animal, and he lived in the wild for seven years. I do not know what he ate. Have you ever thought about what he ate and how he drank and what he did? And that has got to be the weirdest thing I think I've ever read in Scripture, but it, is, it really happened. Took a man that was the top of his game to the bottom of the barrel. And what does all that say? God decided the fate of this man. When God decides something, unless he changes his mind like Nineveh, then it will be accomplished. Listen to this, Revelation 3, 7, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. God is in control of everything. He's in control of our lives. He's in control of what's going on in our life. He knows the beginning from the end. Psalm 82, 8, rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Psalm 83, 18, let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. Everything belongs to God, and we're going to close with this scripture. Go with me to Psalm 50. Psalm 50, verses 1 through 15, and then we're going to close. <clears throat> says, The mighty one, the God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sits. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will, will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my consecrated ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim his righteousness for God himself is judge. Now the word selah means a pause to think about what God has done. Verse 7, hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not re rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. 
If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of the bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon him in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. So what does he say? That everything belongs to God, even your future and my future. Even everything that's going on in your life now belongs to God. In fact, it says he knows the number of our days. It's written down in his book. One of these days, he's going to say, Marcus, your number's up. I hope it's in the rapture, but if it's not, that's okay. He knows everything. If there's one thing you can learn from this sermon tonight in this message about King Nebuchadnezzar is God's in control. How about everything that's going on in our nation today? God's in control. How about with our families? God is in control. How about with issues that are going on? God is in control, and it's not easy. I know it's not easy. These last two weeks were not easy for me, but you got to remind yourself that God is in control. I think if that's if there's one thing you get out of it tonight, give Him praise for who He is and what He's done. Amen. All right, let's close. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blessings you've given us, Lord. I'm not going to stand up here and say I have it all together because I don't. We're all to get in this together. We're still learning together. We're growing together. Father, I pray that you will help us to remember that you're in control. Number two, that you have gifts for us and that we can be open to those gifts. And number three, Lord, that you're our provision. You are our provision. You're the one that provides for us. You're the one that takes care of us. You're the one that sees our way. And Lord, it's easy to say those things until we're going through it, but I pray that you give each and every one of us the strength that we need, even when we're facing trials. Again, bless everybody that's here tonight. Pray for those that didn't make it tonight. We honor and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you.